Michael McMullen. Welcome once again to the World Snooker Tour podcast, where this week it's something a bit different. Over the early months of the season, we've been following the progress of Luca Brassell, with a series of conversations revealing the Belgians' thoughts about life on tour. It's been an absorbing journey with the 26-year-old, and nobody could have anticipated the way things would ultimately turn out when I first sat down with Luca at the Northern Ireland Open in Belfast back in October and began by recalling how quickly he showed exceptional ability for the game. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as soon as I started, I, f- I felt good about it and uh, everyone sort of saw I had some talent and they told me to, to keep going. Uh, and I went to see a coach and yeah, from then on, I'm, I'm doing pretty okay, I think. Yeah, and you had some good results in Belgian amateur tournaments at a yeah. very early age. But then, of course, you got to go and prove it against players from other countries. Yeah. But you did. You won the European Under-19 Championship at the age of 14. A remarkable achievement. Yeah, only just turn, turned 14 at the time. So it was a, a big achievement. My first or my second European Championship. So uh, to win it was amazing. I remember when I was, uh, the year before, uh, I played the European in, in Glasgow. And I think McGill won it. Uh, and he told me after the final, he said, next year, you're going to win it. And I, was, I didn't really believe him, of course, but to then do it was extra special. He was absolutely right about that. And <laughs> there was so much talk going on about you long before you'd made your pro debut. Was that something that you enjoyed, all that attention and people saying this is a real star of the future? Or did you find it a little overwhelming at that age? Not really. I liked it, actually, uh, because that was one of my goals to be known all all over the world uh, at the time and I did it quite quickly so uh, it was nice that to see other people talk about me and stuff like that so I didn't really have to prove myself anymore which is a kind of pressure that goes away when that happens so yeah from then on I could just focus on my snooker and try to be the best I can and yeah. As a result of those early achievements you had in the amateur game, I remember you got invited into that World Series event yeah. in Portugal not yep. long after that European Amateur Championship, yep. and you got some great results. So straight away you were showing you were very comfortable playing against the best players in the world. Yeah, exactly. That was the first time I played on Eurosport, I think. Uh, I beat Jimmy White, Ken Doherty, uh, another couple of good players, and then I lost to Graham Dot in the semis, I think. So yeah, that was a great tournament, actually. Um, yeah. Good times. You were a very quiet kid in those days, so it was yeah, such still, a still am. <laughs> yeah, well, but it was such a contrast because you would be behind the scenes, hardly saying anything, and then you'd just go out and prove yourself on the table. It was like watching a totally different person out there in the arena. Yeah, I've always been like this, quiet, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I do like talking actually, but when I'm around people, I'm, I'm probably the most quiet people uh, person in the room. So, but yeah, that's that's how I am, and. I just uh, let my cue talk. <laughs> yeah, well, you were certainly doing it a lot at a very early age. Turned pro at 16. Yeah. Now, that must have been pretty overwhelming in a way because you're coming from a different country because the circuit is based mostly in England. Yeah. Or at least it would be to most people. But your first season was actually really good. Yeah, uh, I remember my first professional game was against Anthony Hamilton and I beat him 4-0 mm. at 460s. So that was a good start. But uh, after that, it was a bit tough. Uh, I lost many first-round games, I think, and uh, yeah, just the traveling from Belgium always to England uh, by car. My dad was driving, obviously. Uh, it was tough to take, but uh, yeah, you need to be strong mentally in this game. Was that what you were doing then? You were coming over, yeah. driving across from Belgium yeah, every time? Yeah, about 10 hours every time, so uh, yeah, tough, but 
yeah, you need to keep going, of course. It was probably what you had to do, though, because at that age, to try and move to England, I think, would have been a big adjustment for you. Very difficult, yeah. I like my, my home country so much that it would be very difficult to, to move to England, yeah. So then, quite quickly, you became the youngest player ever to qualify for the Crucible, an amazing yep. thing to do. What was it like going and playing at the Crucible, having just been watching it on TV as a kid just a few years earlier, to find yourself there and playing pretty well, actually, against one of the best in the business? Yeah, it was amazing, actually. I remember walking out, it was just surreal to be there. It's so small as well, as everyone knows. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was, I was really proud of myself to do it at, at the first time in the World Championship. Um, he got off to a good start, Stephen. I didn't really play well, but after that, I showed some some good uh, performance. Yeah, yeah Stephen Maguire, that is, who went yeah. on to actually have a, a really good championship. Yeah. Some people, when they go to the Crucible for the first time, they just are so overawed by the fact that they're even there, or they just don't warm to the place. John Higgins even said that the first time yeah. he played there. But I remember you looked like a kid at Christmas, like you were just enjoying every minute of it. Yeah, I was. Obviously, when you're just 16 or 17, there's no pressure and... When you get to the Crucible, it means you've won four matches already. So you just you're just confident and relaxed, and everything is a bonus. So yeah, I didn't really have much pressure. I had a lot of attention from Belgium, but as I said, I, I like it, so it's no problem. So you remained a player of potential then, really. I think would have been how you would have been described for about the next five years until suddenly you go and win the China Championship. I'm always fascinated by this with players who suddenly break through and win their first title. Did you have any feeling going there? <laughs> Not necessarily that you were going to win it, but did you feel your game was in good shape to have a good run? Yeah, I did actually. I remember the, the tournament before was the Riga Masters and I, I played well in that tournament. I only uh, I lost in the second round against Mark Williams, but I played some good stuff in the first game and I just felt confident since then. And I, I don't know, I had a good feeling about China. Um, I had a tough draw to Jimmy Robertson in the first round, then I had Marco Fu, who beat me in the Worlds uh, a couple of months before. So, uh, But I had a good feeling about my game. I wasn't really confident in winning matches because I, my, my results weren't, weren't too good. But um, yeah, but to win it was very unexpected, definitely. And one thing that often happens when players win their breakthrough title, there's one pivotal moment along the way. For you, yeah. it was an unforgettable quarterfinal. Yeah, against Ronnie. Uh, he was playing well as well, so mm. to beat him for four one, from 4-1 four down was uh, amazing. So, uh, yeah. And what were you feeling at that stage after that, Luca? You've just beaten Ronnie O'Sullivan in amazing circumstances. Is that when you maybe started to think this was going to happen for you? Even before, I remember the, the newspapers called before the quarterfinals, and I was playing Ronnie O'Sullivan, obviously. And even the guy from the newspaper said, he said, I think it's going to be your week. Mm. <laughs> And, and I had the same feeling, which is funny when you play Ronnie next next game. So, uh, but yeah, definitely after Ronnie, I played Lee Hang in the semis, and and I just knew it was a great chance to win my first. Um, and I, I, you always need you, need, you always need a bit of luck in any, in every tournament you win. So I had it against Ronnie. I had it against Lee Hang in the semis. So yeah, it was my week. Yeah, that was a decider as well against Lee yeah. Hang. So then you're in the final against Sean Murphy, obviously well established as one of the top players in the world by then and a former world champion, obviously. Very close after the first session. But then you sort of gradually pulled away in the evening, not by pummeling him with big breaks, but by winning a number of close frames. And very impressive to hold your nerve in that way against such an experienced opponent. Yeah, I think the frame was from 7-5 to 8-5. That was the big that one, was... wasn't it? Yeah. When I won that frame, I was like... I was one actually, 
which sounds funny, but I just felt like he's broken now, um, just because of the way the game went. Um, and yeah, after that, he he couldn't really pull the ball anymore, to be honest. And uh, yeah, I won 10-5, which was the best feeling I've ever felt, I think. Belgium is one of those countries where snooker actually has always had a reasonably high profile. So yeah. what was it like back home? Was there a lot of attention, the fact that you'd won this title? Yeah, crazy. Um, newspapers, friends calling, families and everyone on the streets recognizing me and stuff like this. Yeah. So after that, of course, the challenge was to try and build on it. And for the next couple of months, you did. You had a couple more good events yeah. carrying on that form after that. Yeah, I had an amazing couple of months. Uh, I got to the quarters in Shanghai. I got to the semis of another big Chinese event. I got to the semis of the champion of champions. So <laughs> it was a crazy few months. Um, a lot of ranking points. So, yeah, but yeah, after that, I lost my cue. Yeah, I had what some was trouble with my shoulders, so it all went a bit downwards. But that was the thing. I was going to say, Luca, you had such a bad run of luck. And what was the story with the queue? It got lost in transit coming back from Shanghai. Was that it? I checked in at the airport, and normally you just give your queue to the guy, and he takes it away, or you have to put it somewhere else. And he just said, like, no, just take it on. Well, to the next, uh, how you say it, to the desk. Desk, yeah. Mm. And just took it with me and all of a sudden I was going through customs and stuff like this with my queue. I never had this before, so I was like, is this right? And I just kept going and then I got to the to the the gate, I think. So you've still with got my the queue, queue and still you're still got about my to queue on my hands. I was wow. like, this is not right. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden they told me uh, you can't you cannot take this on board. So I was like, What should I do now? And I I was thinking by myself, I if I just leave it here, they will keep it somewhere and I can tell someone else to take mm -hmm. it uh, you know so I had uh, Paul Lee in China he, he could take it maybe for me so uh, but it never happened and it just got lost and we tried to get it back but yeah it didn't work Was that a queue you'd had a long time? Uh, no only eight months or something but obviously I was playing mm -hmm. well with it so I was used to it um, but now I've got a different queue and I'm, actually this one is much better so I'm, I'm, I'm happy with this one now have you been through a lot of queues since then, trying to find one as good? Not really. Uh, I got back to my old uh, accurate queue, which was broken, actually. Mm. I played Judd Trump in the next tournament with that queue, and I beat him 4-0. So I was like, this queue is not bad either. So, uh, But, uh, yeah, after that, I, I needed to change uh, queues. And you mentioned your shoulder there as well. Yeah. So how did you do that injury? I don't. It's not really an injury. It's just a feeling in my shoulder, a weak feeling. It's it's strange. It's it comes and it goes. Um, I still struggle with it sometimes now. So it's if my shoulder isn't right, I just it's it's really hard to play. Um, it's the more I practice, the the worse it gets actually. And uh, yeah, I tried some uh, how do you say it? physio. Yeah, yeah, I tried some physio, and it's better now. It's better now, but still not perfect actually. So it's just the impact of playing so much snooker over I think so, so many yeah. years. That, yeah. that, that's what's caused it. Yeah. So what about the years since then? I mean, that was 2017. You yeah. were doing so well. You won the tournament and had all the good results to follow. How would you sum it up since then? I, I would say you're someone who still produces very good performances, but would perhaps like a bit more consistency. Would that be fair? Uh, I don't know. I think I'm quite consistent. I always, win, I always seem to win my first game, and most of the time my second. But uh, I always seem to lose... Last 32, last 16, I never really get to quarters or semis anymore. And why do you uh, feel that is, Luca? 
I've drawn Judd many times and some other really good players. So it's always been close. I've lost to Judd in the decide a couple of times. And I think it's just one of those games. If you win that one, then you have a big chance to, to win the next and the next. So uh, it's just a bit of luck sometimes. And, you know, on the day, it's, it's so different every day, this game. And, yeah, it's so difficult to, to, to win tournaments. And even the best don't always win. So, yeah, you just need a bit of luck, I think, sometimes. But I've been playing well and I think I've been having some good results, but not not what I want, maybe. But still, uh, I'm happy with how I play. Now I just need some a bit more luck. <laughs> yeah, and it sounds to me like you feel your game, basically, is as good now as it was when you were at your highest rankings. Yeah, I think it's even much better now, actually. Really? Yeah, I think I'm at my best... Um, also, I'm, I'm used to being on the tour in, in all kinds of ways. So I think, yeah, if, if I win a tournament now, I'm, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. The good feelings about what might be around the corner shown by Luca in Belfast proved remarkably well-founded. Just a few weeks later, he got to the quarterfinals of the English Open in Milton Keynes and followed that run by going all the way to the final of the UK Championship. I had a good week. It was just a shame I didn't really play my best in the final, but um, yeah, another final in a big tournament. Uh, the semi-final was good for my confidence. Got much to look forward to now. Just gonna go back to the practice table now, work harder because um, yeah, it just wasn't good enough today. So I'm gonna try harder next time. And um, yeah, but I'm also gonna enjoy this week. Uh, it's a good achievement, and I'm, I'm back playing on Tuesday, so uh, it's uh, no stopping. Young players, look at that. Isn't that great to see the hug each other? What a final they've produced. But thumbs up for Zhao Zintong. You're still very young, even though it feels like you've been around forever yeah. already. You probably still feel, in a sense, you're really just in the beginning of your career and there's a long way to go yet. Yeah, definitely, yeah. I still feel very young and I feel like I can keep going for 20, 25 years maybe, so... Yeah, I try to always um, change some little things off the table and on the table and try to be the best. Uh, that's what you need to do. When you say try to change things, what do you mean? Looking for improvement in some way? Yeah, improvement in all kinds of things like practice more, practice less, uh, eat better, stuff like this. Everything, just small things, yeah. Do you do fitness work, things like that? I used to do a lot of running. I didn't do any running the last six months, maybe, and I've, I've gained a lot of weight. So I need to. I wouldn't gain... say you've gained a lot of weight. Luke. I've, I've I gained. Think you look pretty well. I, I've gained. Everyone says I look good. I don't know why. Yeah, it's funny. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> I've gained about two stones, so uh, it's quite a lot. But uh, I will get back to it, and I still feel okay. So <laughs> at your age, you'll burn that off in absolutely no time. Don't worry about that. I'm going to ask you a few things here, just for a bit of fun. We're going to play a little game called "Is This True?" These are just little things I've heard about. Okay. You're nothing serious at all. Yeah. I'm just wondering whether or not they're true. Is it true that you once recorded and watched back the entire World Championship when you were a kid? That's very possible, yeah. yeah, yeah no, <laughs> Maybe I, more than once. <laughs> I think I heard that about you. You're a big fan of rap and hip-hop. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah, what sort true. of acts are you into? All kinds of rap. Uh, it would be mostly, your favourites now. Mostly Dutch rap, though. Um, Dutch rap? Yeah, right. yeah. It's my language. Um, but anything, yeah. Who is there? All the... 
Older, you tell me, look, you're, you're the young guy. All the you tell me who's famous at the moment. At the moment, I, I really like the, the, the old school, not the, the very old school, but like the, the real, like Tupac, Biggie Smalls and stuff like this. And 1990s the, kind of stuff. Yeah, the best. Before you were even born, some of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I like real rap, not the, the guys with the pink hair and the tattoos in the face <laughs> and stuff like that. So what, what's, what, what, <laughs> what, what makes the other stuff real rap then? I don't know, just authentic, I think. Mm. Um, it's just real rap. The other, the other, the new rap is just, I don't know, childish. <laughs> okay, right. Clearly you've reached that stage that we all reach in life where we start to look at what's modern music and think now nah, it's far better in our day. But have you ever <laughs> uh, had a go at doing any rapping yourself? Is that something you'd like to try? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do some writing sometimes, oh, yeah. Okay. And I like rapping a lot. I like singing uh i've always liked music yeah. uh, it's a bit in the family i think my brother used to be a rapper oh really he had some albums yeah and he could he could have had a signing with a big company universal so uh but he decided not to do it um because he was a bit afraid to go on stage and things like this so yeah well that's but the it, thing writing it's one thing but getting yeah, up in front of people yeah that's really hard yeah he was good though he was very good what was his rapping name BJ Tug, <laughs> oh, okay, right. because uh, the name is uh, Brassel Yodi, yeah. oh, so right. that's why BJ. And when you say you've done some writing yourself, is that writing your own raps? Yeah, yeah. And what do you uh, do? Do you perform them at parties or anything? Or just no, no, just for fun, just for oh, fun okay, at home nice. or in the car or stuff like this, and just for fun. Um, I've always done it. I've always liked to rap since I was very young, because of my brother, obviously, and... Uh, yeah, I still like it to this day, and I think I will always like it, um, everything about it, yeah. Steve Davis, of course, is now very involved in DJing and music performing and all the rest of it. Yeah. Do you think you could ever be persuaded onto stage to actually rap in front of an audience? Yeah, definitely. Really? Yeah, 100%, yeah. All right. This I'll is definitely something. do it once, yeah. Yeah, we've got to try to make that mm. happen. The other thing I've heard about you, you were named Belgium's Young Sports Personality of the Year, the year after Romelu Lukaku. Is that yeah, true? yeah. Wow. That's right. Yeah. Is that a very prestigious thing in Belgium? A big thing? Yeah, yeah very big. Yeah, it's on the national t- television. Yeah, very big. So we talked about rapping there. What other interests do you have outside of snooker? How do you fill your days? Um, I play a lot of darts as well. Um, I like walking in nature. Um, what else? A lot of music. Um, yeah, darts a lot. What else? Just having nice meals, see friends, laugh. I like to be happy, uh, mm. happy vibes, yeah. Belgians always actually talk about the importance of good food. I've encountered yeah. this before, actually. And you said yeah. earlier you really love your home country. So what is it about Belgium, Luca, that you love so much? I think it's actually just the, 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 the feeling of being at home more than the country. Um, but yeah, I don't know, the food is good. Um, I don't know, it's just a nice country. How do you say, simple country, no... Mm. No trouble, everyone's So it's the people simple. more than anything, really, isn't it? Yeah, the people are, how do you say, they're like calm. Mm. Not like the Dutch people or the, <laughs> I don't know. I think sometimes when I come to the UK, I think they, they look a bit aggressive. I know they aren't because they are very nice people. Mm. But I don't know, I like the, 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 the simpleness and the calmness in the Belgian people. So many people base themselves in the UK, but you've never actually done that. You've always been in Belgium. The one drawback of that, I guess, is that you don't have other professionals there to practice with. So how do you arrange your practice? Do you just do it on your own? Do you have amateurs that you work with who are part of the Belgian scene? 
I just play on my own. I play Ben Merton sometimes and oh, yeah. Julien, who played the final in the European. Julien Leclerc. Yeah, 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 he's amazing. Um, so yeah, I just play them sometimes, but mostly I play on my own. So I don't really see the point of coming to UK to play others because I wouldn't anyway. So um, yeah. And those guys you mentioned there, Ben Mertens and Julian Leclerc, they've shown a lot of promise. They're yep. very young, much younger than you even. So do you think they have the potential to become top 16 players, tournament winners eventually? Are they that good? Uh, I don't know about that. I think they are very good uh, for their age. And I see a lot of potential. I, I watched everything in Portugal on the live stream. I watched all the games. I followed them. Mm. And yeah, I see a lot of potential in them. And uh, they... 100% going to be professional, but to get the top 16 is very difficult for anyone, so uh, we'll see about that, but I hope they will. Belgium's amazing in a sporting context, because yeah. you look at the tennis success, particularly yeah. the women, actually, with yeah. uh, Kleisters and Hennen a few years back. So many of the best footballers in the world, and the yeah. national team has done well in recent times. Cycling as well, you're very strong yeah. in. You've had a couple of really good golfers in recent times. Yeah. And this is all from a country of only about 10 million people. So yeah. why do you think it is Belgium manages to achieve so much for <laughs> such a small country? You as well, of course, don't forget. You've yeah. contributed to that. Good question. It's actually funny because the, the part where I live, Limburg, that's where Kleister's, uh, now Mertens, I don't know if you know her, the tennis player, Elise yeah, Mertens, yeah, yeah. she's very good as well. Yeah. Um, and some other cyclists from Limburg as well. So it's, it's that part of Belgium which, uh, which have a lot of sports, uh, successful people. So I don't know what it is. It's, uh, I don't know, <laughs> must be the food. <laughs> yeah. All comes back to the food with the <laughs> Belgians, doesn't it? I remember actually back in the 1990s, there used to be a lot of tournaments in Belgium. I think there were three big professional events there one season, certainly at least two. That went away for a while. But of course, we had the European Masters there for yeah. a couple of years. And that was around the time you were at your peak. So yeah. it must have been wonderful to play as a leading player in a big professional event in your own country. Yeah, amazing. Um and also, I won my games in those events. I always won three or four games in, the, in Belgium, so that was nice. You don't want to lose first game in, in your own country. So, yeah, amazing to just be able to just drive 20 minutes to the tournament and then go back after you won and uh, see all the people there that you know and play well in front of them and get all the attention from the newspapers. It's, it's nice, yeah. And hopefully we can be back there. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, because future. I think all the other players also like Belgium, so would be nice for them as well. And there are some places that the tour goes to, maybe the crowds aren't always great, but in Belgium, they turn out in numbers, don't they? Yeah, they love snooker. They all love snooker, definitely, yeah. You're someone who, I would say, perhaps more than any other player on the circus, plays with a smile on his face. Is that your general outlook, that you're out there and you want to enjoy it and you feel that that's how you're going to produce your best? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think a bit different than most players, maybe. I'm a bit more relaxed and... I always see the bigger picture in life. I don't. It's just a game, you know. I, yeah. Probably, I I would love winning so much. I hate losing, but I also think it's not the most important. But I I will always try to to win as much as I can because I love it. But um, after I've lost, I can immediately think like oh, it's just a game, and you have such a nice life. You still have family and friends, and I have nothing to worry about. So. Uh, why should you be negative in life? I don't know. This is like listening to Mark Williams. This is the way he talks about the game. And he has a great attitude and has achieved so much success. So it sounds like you've got just the outlook that you need for the future. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's probably probably a good uh, comparison to Mark. Um, and also, if 
I don't really care who I play because they're all human. No one is more than the other one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I give everyone the same respect and I'm not afraid of anyone. So I think this is a good attitude to have um, as long as you have a lot of respect for everyone, which I have. And yeah, everyone can be happy and then I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> one time that it was very hard for anyone to be relaxed was, of course, last year when COVID hit and the world was plunged into crisis that I hadn't seen for a really long time. The first snooker event back after the initial lockdown was the Championship League, a tournament played in very unusual circumstances, but a great tournament for you. You won it. Yeah, and the funny thing is I expected to win as well. I told my girlfriend before the tournament, I said, I have a really good feeling about this one. I don't know why, Hmm. because I had a tough group with uh, Jack Lizowski and Robbie Williams and Oliver Lyons, so, but I said, I really fancy finishing top of the group and I don't know something just felt right and yeah played well and had a bit of luck again which you need um yeah really enjoyed that tournament is your girlfriend a snooker fan yeah yeah she loves it she watches all the all the games and also she likes the 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 rankings and stuff like this the rankings yeah she's very uh supportive yeah so she can probably tell you what tournaments you might be qualifying for and whether or not you're going to get into the grand prix or the masters yeah she knows she knows believe me (laughs) we could use her in the press room yeah (laughs) A Belgian snooker player winning another ranking event. It's absolutely so great to see him. Look at this. I've been dreaming of this so for so long, you know. Seeing Neil Robertson win all those tournaments and Judd and just want to be there as well. And so to be here now is crazy and to beat John quite easily really at the end is uh, unbelievable for my game and for my confidence and for everyone watching at home. So yeah, it's very special. The style he plays the game, we're lucky snooker just now we've got young superstars. We've got probably young kids watching back home. Their mums and dads hopefully want to be the next look of Brettel. So I'm I'm really I'm really pleased for his family as well. I know his mum and dad normally they're a big part of his life and they've just not been here this week to sample it. I'm sure there'll be many more to come, but congratulations to him. He was fantastic. I've been thinking about my game a little bit off season and changed a couple of things like my mindset and um, just some tactical stuff and I've also got a new management team and we've been looking at other things as well like sleeping patterns and eating and all of that so we're trying to get all the details as good as possible and it's paying off yeah Uh, even before York I already had a good season so to then get to a final and then win one is uh, incredible. Um, I don't think anyone would have expected that, uh, not even myself. So, yeah, great season. A lot of players have objectives. They say, I want to win one tournament or I want to get into the top 16 or ultimate goal is to become world champion. You strike me as someone who probably doesn't think that way. You're just going to go out, do your best in every match. You still want to have success, but you're just really going to see what comes of putting in the hard work and trying your best. Yeah, I focus more on uh, the things you can control, like performance. I try to be to get better at long putting or better at break building. I just focus on this because the results, you never know what's going on. You can play unbelievable in practice and don't miss, and then you come into the game and the other guy doesn't miss. So what's the point of thinking results-wise? You just have to try your best and just enjoy it. Don't take it too serious. Um, 
because uh, if you take it too serious, you just put pressure on yourself. And I'm helping the other players now to say this. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, just play natural and enjoy it. I'm playing well. I'm thinking really well in the games. I'm staying patient. It's all about self-control as well in the games. Sometimes when you, you tunnel up and you don't miss and you just take your foot off the gas and then suddenly it's to each and it's just experience as well to know like, oh, you need to keep going now, it's 2-0, you need to go 3-0. And just take every frame as it comes, like back to 0-0, even if you're 4-0 up. And do you work with a coach or anything? Or you strike me as someone who is probably quite happy guiding himself along. Yeah, I like guiding myself. Uh, I, I pick up a lot of things, I watch a lot of things. I'm always... Like, I don't really watch movies or, or series. Well, I am now. I'm watching Squid Game. But apart from that, I just try to watch documentaries, mm -hmm. try to get better and read a lot of things, like mentally, stuff like that, and just try to get better always. I need to have that every day to, to get better. Um, and if you, watch, if you just watch a, a movie, you don't really pick up any new things, so I try to always learn. And you talked about documentaries there. What sort of things do you like to watch programs about? Sporting people, um, Osaka, uh, Usain Bolt, just all the greats, and yeah. And if I'm not doing that, I'm I'm I'm, I'm reading something on any website to try to get better at at all things in sports. So yeah, what anything. Was what was that serial you mentioned there? Sweet game, Squid Game. Squid. The, Tell me about that. The What's Korean. That uh, you, you didn't watch it? No, sorry, I'm I'm not, I'm not in tune with it's, these things. <laughs> it's one of the most popular. Uh, series ever on I Netflix. See, I'm, I'm old, Luca. I'm out of touch. <laughs> you know, this is why I need you, young people, to educate me on what's popular. Yeah, I've I've never really watched series since uh, well, since uh, Corona. I started watching Netflix. Before that, I never watched any movies or nothing. So it's something new for me as well. But this uh, Squid Game is, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's uh, it's about uh, games. But if if you if you lose, you die. So it's. Very serious games and a bit like the Hunger Games. But you've probably not seen that, of course. I've not if you seen don't it. Watch movies. I've not yeah. seen it. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, okay. Probably same as that. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, your Beck Victor Scottish Open champion, Luca Brussel. What a finish to 2021 it's become for Luca. As you've heard here, he's a very likable, interesting guy. So what an asset he can be to snooker if the remarkable events of the last two weeks prove to be the start of so much more for him. Now next week's episode will be our last before Christmas, and I'll be joined by the man who so nearly became world champion for the second time this year, Sean Murphy. It's very easy to come off a game against Mark Selby and say, well, I got Selby'd, hmm. I got outmaneuvered, I got outsafety'd, I got, I got, was, you know, tactically second best. And I've been through the match, you know, like air crash investigation. Where did this match go wrong? And it wasn't that, was it? You wasn't that at all. Selby'd. Wasn't that at all. So is that the biggest disappointment, Sean, that you did have the chance to play your natural, fluent, heavy-scoring game and weren't able to do it until the very end when it was perhaps a bit too late? The disappointment for me was on the Sunday night, that second session, I lost that session heavily. And there was four or five frames in that eight where I was in first, make 40 or 50, played the wrong shot at the wrong time. It wasn't necessarily I was missing chances, but I played the wrong positional shot at the wrong time, which led me down a bit of a cul-de-sac. And from then on, I then lost the ensuing tactical battle and lost those frames. Had I not lost that session, I actually won the match by two frames. So that's coming up next week on the World Snooker Tour podcast. 
Until then, thanks so much for listening, and goodbye.